In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You would think that after almost 58 years in the world, I could not be shocked by its hard realities, but that is not the case. I was shocked at diocesan convention recently to hear of a number of people's stories. We heard testimony of horrifying things that happen routinely all around us. Now, this was in the context of good reports about good ministry being done, but nevertheless, the realities are tough. For example, a woman from Fayetteville told of how after being sexually abused as a child, she became addicted to drugs. Then to acquire these drugs, she became, in effect, a slave of drug dealers who sold her body for certain periods of time. She called this human trafficking, which is apparently an integral part of the drug trade. I quickly add that this woman's life had been redeemed through the grace of God and through the ministry of Magdalene House, a rehabilitation home started and supported by Episcopalians in in northwest Arkansas. But the situation this woman describes is all too prevalent. At the convention, we also heard details about the sufferings of displaced people within war-torn Syria, which St. Peter's Church in Conway and others in our area have been alleviating in amazing ways. I mean, no way we can fully imagine what those people who had to ha- have had to flee from their homes have been going through and still are. And I also learned something shocking about local high school students. I understand that many of all colors and social classes uh, now use heroin and get addicted to it uh, much more often than I would have dreamed. I'm sure some of my shock at all this comes from having led a relatively sheltered, privileged life. But I must also admit that part of me doesn't want to know about these things. Part of me wants to be what is called blissfully ignorant. In our day, it is relatively easy for some, including myself, to live an anesthetized existence. We can retreat into cocoons of privilege, of supposed safety, avoiding encounters with those who are different from us, and with those suffering routinely from deprivation, violence, and discrimination. Trying simply to live for pleasure, as one of Oscar Wilde's characters put it, we can inhabit a dream world in which there are no problems out there with which we need be concerned. And sometimes even religion is used as a means of escape. As the Episcopal priest Robert Fruworth recently wrote, we sometimes approach practices such as prayer, Bible reading, and enjoyment of liturgy and music simply as a means of having what might be called a nice religious or spiritual experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but if that's all there is to it, I just want to feel good, (laughs) then it lacks something. Uh, Heck, we we may even uh, serve the poor or pursue justice mainly as uh, ways of feeling good about ourselves rather than as ways truly to engage with God and the world around us. 
we, I guess we deceive ourselves about how selfish we can be or how selfish our motivations sometimes are. But in today's gospel, we see in Jesus the prime example of one whose faith drove him not to escape from reality, but rather to enter into it and embrace it, knowing that this is where God is present and active. Escape may have been harder in his day than in ours. Um, This was the Roman Empire, after all, and even the richest and most privileged uh, surely saw oppression and suffering all around them. And Jesus, of course, belonged to a religious and ethnic group who had long suffered at the hands of imperial powers. So escape was hard, but nevertheless, people could still seek to be anesthetized, to shield themselves from true engagement with the world around them. And that's what the devil was tempting Jesus to do, at at least among other things, after his baptism. The Lord uh, wrestled at length with temptations to use wealth, that's the bread, wealth, religious popularity, and worldly power to set himself apart from the suffering world around him and even to take advantage of it. The devil was recommending a selfish course, but the divine spirit that had driven Jesus into the wilderness guided him away from this destructive path by helping him see through the devil's deceits even though Satan cloaked his purposes by quoting Scripture. Shakespeare was right that the devil can quote Scripture for his purposes. Ancient Jewish tradition, as well as the Spirit, guided the Lord in this long uh, wrestling period after his baptism. His people's Ten Commandments, received directly from God after their liberation from slavery, pointed to a life in which one finds fulfillment not through self-seeking, but through loving service to God and neighbor. The commandments were about how we deal with God, how we deal with our neighbor. The path our Lord chose was a humble one, a path of suffering, a path of service, in contrast to the devil's proposal of ease and wealth and pleasure. But his life, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection showed that he was right to choose the way of humility and suffering and service. He showed that this is the way to be rich toward God and to live. If you want to save your life, you lose it. If you want to lose your life, Jesus said, you'll save it. We too, as today's colleague puts it, are are assaulted by many temptations, more than we usually realize. We overeat, we overdrink, we have obsessions with everything from sex to golf to work. And while these may be problematic in themselves, they are usually signs um, of something deeper. They may indicate unhealthy attempts to avoid facing realities about ourselves, about God, and about the world around us. They're forms of anesthetization. And, and even religion we can use, as I said, uh, in this way when we see church as a means of escape. Although we can understand wanting to escape. But, and, and maybe there's some of that that can be good, but that's not the only reason we're here. Um, 
we, um, we don't want to be setting ourselves apart from the world around us, seeing church as a sort of club or, you know, a, a, a sort of shelter removed from the world. Lenten disciplines, whether giving up or taking on things, are meant to help open us up to realities that God would have us face. So we do things or refrain from doing things so we will be more open to reality. Like Jesus, we not only face the temptation to escape, the devil uses the mess the world is in to foster doubts and fears about whether God is real, whether God is present, whether God's power is sufficient. Saints through the ages have experienced this temptation. One of my favorite examples is Julian, a mystic who lived in Norwich, England in the late 14th and early 15th centuries. And Julian is famous for her declaration of faith that all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. But Julian, while she had this faith, did wrestle with all the apparent evidence to the contrary. She saw Jesus' own suffering. She saw her suffering. She saw suffering in the world around her and tried to square that with the belief that all shall be well. But rather than despairing, Julian saw in the crucified and risen Lord a God who has chosen to be open in compassion to all of her reality and to the reality of the world. All shall be well, she testified, because of God's loving, powerful presence in our midst, even in the worst situations, whether or not we can perceive that presence at a given moment. It's a faith that if God is there, things are going to be all right. She exemplified, Julian did, what this 17th century writer Jean-Pierre Cossard called the life of faith, which, as he put it, is nothing less than the continued pursuit of God through all that disguises, disfigures, destroys, and so to speak, annihilates God. In other words, belief in God, pursuit of God, even uh, when we see um, God and the things of God under uh, attack. Coming to such faith, once we open ourselves to God in the midst of all reality, is always a challenge. That's what we're expecting in Lent, a challenge. But the results can be blissful, as Julian found. We'll have a wonderful Easter uh, if we work hard, or at least semi-hard, to uh, discipline ourselves and try to open ourselves up to the reality of God, the reality uh, of the world around us. We are all faced with a fundamental spiritual choice. As Robert Fruworth put it, do we choose to live in a world where some things must be rejected as outside God's power to redeem, where religion must cast some things out? Or do we live in a world where God is present and at work without constraints in all things to make all well? The latter choice, believing that God is all-powerful and in all things, is the brave choice that our Lord exemplified. Even in the midst of his crucifixion, 
he trusted that God could and could lighten even that darkness and bring good from ill. Proved that faith proved to be true. I love that line in one of our epiphany hymns that says, God is ever bringing good from ill. Scripture testifies to it. The resurrection above all testifies to it. And we've seen that happen in our own lives. Thanks be to God. We Christians are fundamentally a people of hope. The light of the resurrection shines, we believe, even in the darkest places, making, as some African Americans say, a way out of no way. This is the faith that we hope informs our life together as a parish. This is the faith that impels us outward to proclaim to all people the good news of God's powerful, redeeming love. 